right, let's go ahead and find our spot. Find our spot. Get your Bible. Turn with me to Romans, Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Isn't it good to be saved? I said, isn't it good to be saved? Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I'm glad I know who Jesus is, but I'm even more glad he knows who I am. He knows my name. He knows everything about me. He knows every hair on my head. He knows my likes, my dislikes. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strength. He knows everything about me, yet he still loves me. And that's just the kind of God we serve. Jesus is an awesome, awesome friend, an awesome Savior, an awesome Lord. And I, I praise the Lord for his goodness on me. I guess we could sit here all night and brag on him, couldn't we? We could just tell all the things that he's done for us, but... I'm glad he's given us a word that will help us and, and develop us and change us and be what he would have us to be. Tonight, we are studying, we are studying for the purpose of change. We want to change. We, wanna, uh, we want to evolve and become more like his son. We want to conform to the image of his son. We want to be transformed tonight, amen? We, we don't want to conform to the world, but we want to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And he has given us a guidebook. He has given us a book of directions that we could have to, to learn who he was and what he was and how we can be like him. So let's look in Romans chapter number 13. And we're going to talk about a really, I mean, it's a really timely chapter, a really timely subject dealing with our responsibility as a citizen. Our responsibility as a citizen. Now, uh, regardless of how the election went for you, regardless of whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, there are responsibilities we have as a Christian and because we are Christian as a citizen. All right? And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Very important uh, uh, topic tonight. So let's look in Romans 13 and verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. Let's all read together. I just feel like uh, let's just all read in concert, if you will. I, I, let's, let's just read and, and, and let's let the Lord speak to us, all right? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for what? For what? For good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Let's stop right there. Father, help us now. Help us to, to learn. Help us to study. Help us not to form an opinion and try to get the Bible to line up with our opinion. Help us to study the Bible and then form an opinion. Help us to study the Bible and then apply what we learn to our life and become what the Bible wants us to become. I pray that you'll help us as Christians. I pray you'll help us as citizens. Help us as we are living in a world that's without you. We're living in a cursed society. We're living in an anti-Christ atmosphere. But help us to shine as a bright light in a dark place. 
God, I pray for your will to be done tonight. I need your anointing tonight. I need, I, I believe I have the word. I believe I have uh, what you'd have me to deliver. But Father, I need an unction. I need, I need a touch from glory to deliver it. I don't want to be up here by myself. I desire your presence in this place. I desire your, your touch and your anointing upon me. And God, I praise you and I thank you for everything you've done in the past. I thank you for your calling and I thank you for your blessings. But God, we need it tonight. We need another touch. We need another blessing. Lord, we need another move of the Holy Spirit in this place. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Citizen responsibility. That is our title tonight. Citizen responsibility. Uh, we, we talk about what we are to be and what we are to do as a Christian and as a child of God, as a saved person, and how we have a responsibility to win the loss. We have a responsibility to share the gospel with those who do not have it. We have a responsibility uh, to love others and, and be what God would have us to be. But Paul goes into detail in this particular chapter to, to speak to us about our responsibilities as a citizen, as a responsibility as a citizen of a country, uh, a, a responsibility that we have toward our fellow mankind. What is our responsibilities? Three I want to talk about tonight. Uh, three specific ones we want to deal with. Uh, we're going to talk about our responsibility to our country, our responsibility to our community, those that we are the closest to and tied to, that we are around, our associates, if you will, and then the responsibility we have to our calling, all right? The responsibility to our country, the responsibility to our community, and then the responsibility to our calling. But first, let's look at the intro here uh, tonight. God has established three institutions. The home, government, and the church. The home, government, and the church. It should go without saying that as a Christian, we should be model citizens. Paul in this chapter is teaching on the responsibility we have not just as Christians, but as good citizens. Now here's the deal. We need to understand God is really interested in the home. Say amen. God wants us to live a peaceable life. So he instituted government because mankind is sinners. We are all sinners. We are bound by sin. We have issues with sin. So therefore our heart is broke. And man, if there was no kind of control, if there was no kind of discipline, if you will, there would be, it would be utter chaos. So God instituted government. But God instituted the church also. And he wants those three, hey, he wants harmony in those three. As a Christian, we need to understand how we are to interact in all three of those arenas. So tonight, let's look in the first verse. Let's look in verse 1 through 5. And we'll look at our responsibility to our country. The Bible says, let every soul be subject or submissive, if you will, subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not terror to good works. Talking about the police, talking about uh, 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 soldiers, the military. Uh, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. 
for he that is a minister of God to thee for good. Uh, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. First thing I want you to see, we have a responsibility to our country to do this. First, we must be submissive to its authority. There is submission to authority. We have a responsibility, and that is submission to authority. It is God who has established the governments of the world. Now, this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily mean that he is responsible for the sins of tyrants, but only that the authority to rule comes originally from God. To resist the law is to resist the God who established government in the world, and this means inviting punishment. Rulers must bear the sword. That is, they have the power to afflict punishment, even to take life. God established human government because man is a sinner and must have some kind of authority or control over him. God has given the sword to rulers and with it the authority to punish and even to execute uh, uh, as far as, as we know. The, uh, uh, and, and Let me go on. Let me go on. I don't want to get caught up right there. Uh, even uh, uh, the power and the authority to execute. Even though we cannot always respect the man in office, we must respect the what? Why? Because government was ordained by God. Now here's the point. You may not like the election. You may not like who got elected. But you have a responsibility by God to uh, submit and to respect the office that he holds. We have a responsibility, not just that, but we have a responsibility. If you look in your notes uh, down at 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in what? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What does that mean? It doesn't matter who's there, we're to pray for them. It doesn't matter who's there, we're to respect them. It doesn't matter who's there, we're to, we're to sur submit to the authority that's over us. Why? God has put them there. God has put them there and given them authority in a government setting, in a government way, so that we would have a quiet and peaceable life. Now, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to nitpick all these different things. Well, what about this? What about that? I'm not for certain issues that certain political parties are for. It's not about that. It's about being a Christian citizen. Now, if it comes to the point they make a law where we have to disobey the word of God, that's a totally different story. Because the Bible says we are to follow God and not man. Or, or be a, is, it more, is it better to obey God or man? You remember when Peter was arrested and they said, don't preach in his name anymore, don't speak in his name anymore. And, and, and throughout that whole deal, Paul said, or, uh, or excuse me, Peter said, it is better to obey God than man. So when it comes to conscious sake, we're to follow God. But God is saying here, we are to submit to authority. Authority was given and set up by God. Now, if, if any of y'all think that the election took God by surprise, you're crazy. You're crazy. I, I, I've, I've, been, I've been mulling things over, and I have had several, several people ask, said, Preacher, why did God let this happen? I believe, personally, just my own opinion, I believe that God is setting things up for the return of His Son, Jesus Christ. I really believe that. There's no doubt in my mind. I believe everything is taking place. Everything is moving. Uh, I believe a part of it. I believe a part of it is America's getting what they want. And I would have to say America's getting what they deserve. 
in what way we have walked away from God and we, we, have, we, have, we have got to a point where we're so materialistic that money means more to us than anything. God is judging areas of our lives and I, it's just part of the plan. Is God for the things they're for? No. God's never been for abortion. God's never been for same-sex marriage. God's never been for these issues. But God is for government. God is for government, and we are to submit to authority. What does it say? They're not here to terrorize you for doing good. They're here, they're here to terrorize the evil. What does that mean? If you do good, according to the word, go to the verse we just read, if you do good, then they, you will have praise of the government. If you do bad, then you need to be afraid. Y'all with me? What's the point? If you're doing 55 and a 55, if you're doing 95 and a 55, you better be afraid. It's that simple, amen? The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. But do you realize the wicked fleeth when no man pursueth? What does that mean? When you're doing wrong, you're always looking. You're always wondering what you say because you're so used to lying, you're wondering when that lie is going to catch up with you. And when you're used to speeding, you may be doing the speed limit. When you see that blue light, we hit the brakes. Don't, am I right? Come on. Now, the Bible says if you're going to live evil, you need to be afraid of government. If you're going to live right, you have no reason to fear. Government is there for a good purpose. I tell you what, we can say what we want to, but uh, we have a responsibility to submit to authority and also not only submit to authority, but according to verse 6 and 7, watch what it says here. For for this cause, we're going to like this one. For this cause, pay ye what? What's that? Taxes. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We don't only have a responsibility to submit to its authority, we have a responsibility to submit to its activity or support its activity. We're, <coughs> we're to support and give support to the activity and, and, and the responsibilities of the government. Romans 13, 7. Romans 13, 7 commands us to pay what we owe. Taxes, revenue, respect, honor. If we do not pay our taxes, we show disrespect to the law, the officials, and the Lord. And this cannot be the conscience, of, or this, we, this cannot but affect the conscience of the believer. We may not agree with all that is done with the money we pay in taxes, but we dare not violate our conscience by refusing to pay. I wrote down some things that I had found uh, that I want to share with you. There are approximately 740,000 sworn law enforcement officers now serving the United States. About 10% of them are female. Each year, there are approximately 33 million crimes committed in the United States, an average of one crime every two seconds. One crime every two seconds. Crime fighting has taken its toll. Since the first recorded police death in 1794, there have been more than 14,000 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. A total of 1,533 law enforcement officers died in the line of duty during the last 10 years, an average of one death every 58 hours or 153 per year. 
There were 130 police deaths in 1999, 154 in 2004. On average, more than 65,000 law enforcement officers are assaulted each year, and some 23,000 are injured annually. The deadliest day in the law enforcement history was September the 11th, 2011, when 72 uh, uh, officers were killed while responding to the terrorist acts on America. I, I had, a, I had a, a lot more information having to do with the fire department and, and all of that and how it goes together. And well, the point I'm trying to make with this is that we can talk bad about police when we get a ticket till somebody breaks in our house. And we can, we can you know, I've heard people call them names and pigs and, and all this kind of stuff. Please don't do that around me. Please don't do that around anybody. Please especially don't do that around your children. Because they need to learn to respect that authority because ultimately when we need them, the majority of the time they're there. Uh, and we, 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 we can talk all we want to. And, and most of the time the people that are talking the worst against them are the ones doing evil and they're the ones that, that's getting in trouble because of the stupid things they're doing. Hello. Now here's the point. We pay our taxes for a reason. Taxes uh, pay for fire trucks. Taxes pay for police cars. Taxes pay uh, for uh, uh, equipment and so forth and so on that makes us have a life or helps us have a life of peace, comfort, and stability. Now, I know, and I'm not going to get into the argument with this part of it because there's, there's tons of stuff that's being wasted. I, I understand that. I understand the point that there are people getting uh, money and support that should not be getting money and support. I get all that. But ultimately, that is no excuse for not supporting those that God has put in place for your protection and for your guidance. Are you all with me? Say amen. We have a responsibility by God. By God. All right? Not just to submit to its authority, one through five, but also to support its activity. Verses 6 through 7, we need to pray for. Uh, we need to, I tell you, we need to appreciate them. We need to appreciate them. Uh, ultimately, uh, putting your life, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? Uh, I, I, I've gone down the interstate before. I've gone down the interstate before and watched in the middle of the darkness. I'm talking about it's so dark you can't see nothing. There's no moonlight out. There's nothing in it. And, and, and blue lights flashing up ahead. And as I was passing, I was as I was passing that car, uh, you see a car in front of him with dark tinted windows, and this police officer leaving his car, leaving his car to go do whatever it was that he pulled him over for, and and not knowing, <coughs> excuse me, not knowing what's in the inside of that car. And to me, I got to thinking, man, that's got to be a frightening aspect to leave and knowing that that anybody could be on the other side of, and anything could happen, and your life could be lost that fast. And they do it for your safety and my safety. Now, I think we need to learn to appreciate them. I think we need to appreciate them as a church. I think we need to appreciate them as individuals. I think we need to do everything we can to let them know we appreciate what they do. Now, this is not just in a money fashion. Uh, one of the most, the, the most alarming things that I saw with the fire department, that most of the deaths that take place and, and uh, fire in the, in the realm and in the, in the atmosphere of firefighting is usually coming from volunteer firefighters. So what's the point? I think we need to appreciate them also. I think we need to show them that we care, show them that, hey, 
that, that we, we, we appreciate what they do for us. So, point is, we need to appreciate those that God has put in authority over us. Every Christian has a responsibility. You say, I don't like, I don't like the laws that are passed. I don't like this and I don't like that. That's not the point. The point is, we are to respect the office that they hold. Say amen, church. All right. Don't you see number two? Number two. We not only have a responsibility, not only have a responsibility to our country, the authority that God has placed over us, the government that God has placed over us, uh, we have a responsibility to our community. And this goes, this goes more to everyday life. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you don't have much interaction with government authority. Because if usually if you do, you've either done something wrong or your house is on fire. And either way, we don't want either one of them to happen. Say amen. Uh, or uh, you're in such a difficult situation where the, the, the military has to come in and assist like a uh, uh, like up in, up in uh, New York right now where Brother Travis is right now. Uh, the National Guard has come in. The military has come in to try to uh, give them support and help and assistance and so forth and so on. So usually... Uh, it, when we have to interact with the government authority, it's usually an odd situation. It's usually not all the time. It's a rare occurrence as, as far as like the tornado that comes by and how we interacted with the, the, the National Guards, the troopers, and all that kind of stuff. But this means, and is, is, he's describing, he goes into more detail, our everyday living, our everyday life, our everyday interaction with those that we are associated with, those that are around us, and he, and he goes into even more specific uh, areas of responsibility. Look what he says in verse number, uh, verse number eight. Verse number eight. Have you found your spot? <clears> Owe <throat> oh, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now. Uh, if you say, well, preacher, that means we should never borrow anything. That's a, we, we should never be in debt. That's not necessarily what that verse is meaning. Uh, I, believe, I believe some debt is foolish. I believe some debt, uh, uh, some debt is dumb and that we should try to avoid it as much as possible. But the Bible does teach about uh, uh, interest and, and, and using money and that type of thing as a business transactions and all of that. So I, I, it, to make a, a blanket statement and a black and white, this means you could never borrow or never be in debt. I don't think that's saying that, and, uh, and we would be, be pushing it too far to go that far. What it's saying is this, is he's dealing with our treatment of others. Now, how many of y'all believe we ought to uh, pay, our, uh, pay our responsibilities and pay our debt? I agree with that. Now, here we are, here we are. What kind of debt do we have? What kind of debt do we have to our fellow man? It says this, owe no man anything but, but to love one another. In other words, we have a debt to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not uh, commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know what he's saying there? If you love your neighbor, you're not going to do them things. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill them. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from them. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet. You, you're just not. And what God is trying to teach us is love covers it all. The greatest commandment is there for a purpose because it will fulfill everything in the law is love. Love. Now, 
two things I want to share with you in this responsibility. A, I want you to see the treatment, the treatment we should show, verses 8 and 9. The treatment we should show. Paul enlarged the circle of responsibility by including other people besides government officials. Love one another is the basic principle of the Christian life. It is the new commandment that Christ gave us in John 13, 34. When we practice love, there's no need for any law because love covers it all. If we, if we love others, we will not sin against them. This explained why the Ten Commandments were not referred to often in the New Testament. In fact, the Sabbath commandment is not even quoted at all in any of the epistles. As believers, we do not live under law but under grace. Our motive for obeying God and helping others excuse me, is the love of Christ in our heart. Love one another. Love one another. Now, uh, I want you to take just a minute. I want you to take just a minute and take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. Because I want to go into more specific detail. <clears throat> thank you of this particular chapter, and uh, and I, God just put in my heart, you, you ever been studying and reading, and then boop, that one word comes out, and it just it just stands out and flashes out like a sore thumb? This is what God's doing today in this particular setting. Uh, he, he says, love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. Two times we find the word neighbor there uh, in, in areas. Love thy neighbor. Where to, to, it tells how to treat our neighbor. And give specifics. Give specifics on how that we're to we're to care for them, uh, we're to be truthful uh, uh, in all of these areas. But here's a question: How many of y'all remember when the lawyer came to Jesus when Jesus was teaching? And and well, let's let's just read it. Let's just read it. We have time. I have a one pager today. Y'all notice that? I had to go so fast to finish last week. I said, "Nah, we'll we'll." We'll bring that down. Amen. Luke chapter Luke chapter number 10 and verse 25. If you found your spot, say amen. Verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. This guy was trying to trap Jesus. Uh, little did he know who he was talking to. He tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto them, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And thy neighbor as thyself. And he answered him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, said unto him, He should have just left good enough alone. Amen. But he was trying his best to trap Jesus. But he willingly to justify himself said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, when I was reading the verses, when I was reading the verses over in Romans, uh, while I was getting ready for this, that question kept coming back to my mind: Who is my neighbor? It's easy. It's easy to have a generic statement. It's easy to say a generic thing. It's kind of like this. When I say generic statement, this is what we do when we pray: Lord, save the lost. That's pretty generic, isn't it? Not a lot of passion behind it. You don't really have to. But when you say, Lord, please save Willie. When you say that, there is a face and an image in your mind 
there is a thought on your heart because if you thought enough of them to pray that they get saved, they mean something to you. Y'all with me? So it, it, it really makes it more important. And it makes it more serious and it makes it more real. Are y'all with me? Now I'm doing this on purpose. Now, now stay with me. We're, we're going to kind of jump out of this chapter and then come back in to, for an emphasis because I, want, I really want to hone in on this particular deal. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? It's really, it's really easy for me to be nice to you. It's really easy for me to associate with you. It's easy for me, technically, to forgive you. But what about those whose dog comes in your yard and jumps on yours? What about that one that that cuts you off in the street and... my neighbor we have a responsibility to love our neighbor we have a responsibility to forgive our neighbor we have a responsibility to look after our neighbor we have a responsibility to are are y'all getting where I'm going with this who's my neighbor it's easy to say love thy neighbor but it's, it's 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 it gets a little more difficult when you say love John who cussed you out at work Amen? Boy, it's quiet tonight. Let's read what Jesus said to him. Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. These were Jews not being good to Jews. You got to understand, you got to understand the culture of that day. They were, if you weren't a Jew, you were nobody. If you were, you were not a Jew, you were not God's chosen people. So some, some Jews even believed that people who were Samaritans or people who were uh, Gentiles didn't even have a soul. They didn't like Gentiles, but they really didn't like Samaritans because Samaritans were half-breed people, if you will. They were half Assyrian, half uh, uh, Gentile, and half Jew. And, and so they wouldn't spit on them if they was on fire. And Jesus never said, Jesus never said that this story was a parable. So it was a great possibility that this was a situation that really took place. This was a, this was a, a situation that actually happened because most Jews, if Jesus would have told this story and it didn't actually happen, they said that would have never happened. But Jesus explains and he shares what happened and took place. This man who is a Jew, he comes and he is, he is taken advantage of, he is mistreated, he is attacked and he's left for dead. And two, two people who should have, they were not just Jews, they were not uh, just people of his own kind, they were religious in nature. Yet they passed by. But then Jesus on purpose, watch what he says. He says, but a certain Samaritan... A certain Samaritan who you would not spit on if he was on fire. 
a certain Samaritan, sir, lawyer, uh, the, the person that you despise, and the, and the person that you wouldn't walk on the same side of the street with, the person who, who you wouldn't give the time of day, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had what? He had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. And did what? He took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now, 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 Jesus turns the question around. The question was, who is my neighbor? Who, say it with me. Who, my, who is my neighbor? But watch what Jesus says. He says in verse 36, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? It isn't who is, but who was. Who is a neighbor or who was a neighbor? Are y'all with me? Y'all staying with me? Now, this is what he says. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. I want you to see the treatment we should show, A. Then B, I want you to see the truth we should know. The truth we should know. See how Jesus turned the tables on the lawyer. Him trying to evade responsibility, the man asked, Who is my neighbor? But Jesus asked, Which of these three men was neighbor to the victim? The big question is, To whom can I be a neighbor? Say that with me. To whom can I be a neighbor? Underline that in your notes. To whom can I be a neighbor? And this has nothing to do with geography, citizenship, or race. Now underline these two sentences. Actually, all the way to the, the period. Wherever people... Right, let's read it together. Let's all read it together. I, I, we we got to get this because it's so important. If our church will get this, it will transform everything. Let's, let's read it. Wherever people need us, there we can be neighbors and, like Jesus Christ, show mercy. Let's read it again. Wherever people need us, there we can be neighbors and, like Jesus Christ, uh, uh, Temple Baptist Church has a team of people in a place that's nowhere in the proximity of being my neighbor. Brother Steve, you're the closest person to me, I think, that, that lives around this particular church. And it, it, would be, it would be easy for me to say, you're my neighbor. But what God is saying, people that need us are our neighbor. All around us, people are our neighbor. And the, and the question should not be, who should I be nice to? Who should I be Christian to? Or, or, or who is my neighbor that we're supposed to love because God's given us command to love them? It is, am I being that neighbor? Am I being that neighbor? 
Listen, people have a responsibility. we we got to get this. As a Christian, we need to understand something. And Jesus did it over and over and over and over again. He said we need to learn to love the unlovable. Listen, if we're going to love like Jesus, and this is the whole point. The whole point of being here tonight, the whole point of being here tonight is to become more like Christ. The whole point of being here tonight is to be conformed to the image of his son. The whole point of reading the Bible is not to keep a checklist and not just say we've got our reading done. It is so the Bible can get into us, and when the Bible gets into us, it will take a transformation, and it will begin to work on the inside out, and we'll become more like Jesus Christ. We'll start acting more like Jesus Christ. We'll start thinking more like Jesus Christ. And how did Jesus think? He told God to forgive the ones that was nailing him to a cross. He loved those that hated him. He was kind to those who were evil to him. What's the point? We are to love people like Jesus did. And you can never love somebody like Jesus did until you're around unlovable people. I don't know why God has this person working on my shift. Maybe so you can learn to love them like Jesus did. Irritating people irritate me too. Hello? I'm not going to stand up here and act like a saint. I, I get irritated all the time with people. But listen, are we going to treat them as Jesus would? Aren't we, are we being transformed or not? Who is my neighbor? Who am I to love? Listen, when God brings somebody into our path, when God bring somebody into our sphere of uh, uh, responsibility, we're to be Christ to that person, no matter who they are. Love them. Forgive them. Be kind. Don't, 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 let me, let me go back, let me go back, let me go back, uh, Chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 18, chapter 12, verse 18. Are you there? Say amen. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what's it say? If he thirst, what's it say? For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with... Now, i got to confess something. Heap coals of fire on his head. That was a reference in that day of when they would take coals. They would have big pots and, 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 and rich people had coal. They had areas where they could heat their houses and, and, and heat their homes. And, and sometimes you would go and borrow coals and fire from somebody in a pot. And they would put it in. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't a thin pot that would, with the coals that would burn through your head. It was a real thick and it wouldn't, you know, and they would take it and they would carry those instruments on their head to their home and take the, the burning coals out and put it in their fireplace to give them fire and give them heat. It was, a, it was really a type of being a blessing to somebody. 
uh, when I was growing up, uh, I took this as that, you know, when you're good to your friend, it just irritates them. So be good to them so you can irritate them. That's, that's not what that's talking about. It means this, be good to those who are not good to you. Now, use the verse, if at all possible. Now, there's going to be some people, there's going to be some situations where you're going to have to try to avoid. Because, you know, there's one thing, there's one thing to be kind and to be Christ-like, and there's another thing to be naive and stupid. For instance, if you stick your hand in a dog pen and he tears two fingers off, you don't offer him the other three. <laughs> Amen? There are going to be some people that are not good for you. There's going to be some situations that are not good for you. There are going to be some issues and areas. That's why, you know, because sometimes we, we use these verses more to mean that, well, I know, I know he stabbed me in the back every time I've talked, but God says I'm just to, just to keep on, you know, no. That's not what that verse is saying. That's not what that verse is saying. It means as best we can, and if at all possible, we need to live peaceably with everybody around us. Now, there are some people, there are some people that I might not be able to live peaceably with, so I don't need to be around them. Is this common sense enough? Am I making enough sense? Let's put ourselves in places where we can be effective. Let's put ourselves in places where we can love people like Christ. But make sure, make sure we do everything we can to be Christ in every situation. And by the way, for those of you who, who think you just have to be with this person or you have to be around this person because you got to fix them, Jesus couldn't fix everybody. And if Jesus couldn't fix everybody, you sure ain't. Y'all with me? Now, let's be kind to our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Whoever is in the sphere of your responsibility or anybody you can help, we have a responsibility to help. Amen? Now, watch this. We see the treatment we should show. We have a responsibility in our community. We should show Christ's love. We should love them. Love them. Uh, the truth we should know is that everyone is our neighbor. We have a responsibility, even those that we, uh, listen, that irritate us, even those that, that, that sometimes uh, uh, it, it just would be easier not to love. The Bible says we're to love them. And we're to, we're to be what we can to be for them. The lawyer wanted to discuss neighbor in a general way, but Jesus forced him to consider a specific man in need. How easy it is for us to talk about abstract ideals and fail to help solve concrete problems. We can, we can discuss things like poverty and job opportunities and yet never personally help feed a hungry family or help somebody find a job. Let me put it this way. We can say we're for missions, but if we never give, who are we kidding? If we never go... Who are we kidding? In other words, let's not just say, oh, God, bless, bless all those missionaries. If there is an opportunity to help or be a blessing, for instance, I'll just put a shameless plug right here, the potato sale. Listen, if you're for missions, help that team go. 
Now, you say, I don't like potatoes. Don't worry about a potato. Pay $7 and give your potato to a homeless person. Say amen. Then you're killing two birds with one stone. The point is, let's not be generic. And let's, don't, and let's, let's bring it even to the point of praying. Let's stop praying for the lost. Let's start praying for Job. Let's start praying for Henry. Let's start praying for Susie. Let's start, are y'all with me? Let's, let's put our prayers into action and be specific. You say, I, 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 care, I care about the hungry. Then let's feed them. Let's do what we're supposed to do. That's what Jesus is saying. He made a story to a point where we have to be, uh, uh, we have to be specific, not generic. All right, number three. Number three. This is really important. So, guys, y'all need, to, y'all need to really hone into this. The Bible says in verse number, verse number 11. Verse number 11. Are you there? We not only have a responsibility to our country, we have a responsibility to our community, but then I want you to see the responsibility to our calling, our calling. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. If it was nearer then, what is it now? The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I want you to see A, write this down. We see in our responsibility to our calling, to what God has called us to do, and I believe that's the Great Commission. Everybody has a calling to the Great Commission. I don't care if you're a preacher or not or a missionary or not. If you're saved, the Great Commission is your commission. God has given you something good, and we have responsibility to get that same good thing, the gospel, to others who don't have it. So with that calling, I want you to see this that we find in verse number 11. I want you to see the condition that's explained. Write that down. The condition that's explained. Two things we see here. Two things we see here. First, a late hour. A late hour. He says, and that knowing the time, and that knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. In other words, now. Jesus said today is the day of salvation. Whatever we're going to do, we got to do it now. There is a condition in our country that we see, and that is a late hour. And the hour is getting later and later and later. We have got to do whatever we got it, we're going to do. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. I, I've got to go, I've got to go uh, Saturday and preach my cousin's funeral. My cousin passed away, the one that I, I told you about. Uh, we've been praying for, been fighting cancer. And, uh, and, and we were over there Monday and then got come home and they called us back about one o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. And so we drove back and, 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 and she passed away. And right now I can think of 500 things I want to tell her. I I can think of several things that, that, that I wished I would have done or, 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 or whatever you might want to say. And I'm thinking, you know, 
here's, here's what we need to understand. If we're going to do it, let's do it. We're running out of time. When I left the hospital, when I left the hospital Monday night, uh, I prayed with her and with the family. We were all there, and 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 in our minds, in our minds, and and, and I'm telling you, in our minds, we're thinking uh, a couple more days in the hospital. Uh, she's going to get used to this other this other oxygen deal, and and she'll be able to keep her oxygen up, and 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 she'll be she'll be able to go home because the whole point was uh, let, let's get her home and. And in our minds, this is going to happen. The doctor came in and 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 was cutting up, joking around, and 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 said several things. And and in our mind, uh, you know, she's going home. And and so so we came on home. And then in just a matter of hours, this ain't supposed to be happening. It didn't even seem real. I mean, I was I was kind of in shock on the phone, and then trying to get my bearings and. And then all the way over there, it, it seemed like a nightmare. It seemed like it, this, this wasn't happening, this wasn't real. And, 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 and here's the whole point of the deal. One day, <coughs> we're going to go to bed, and the next day, we're going to wake up in glory. One day, we're going to get up, and we're going the things we've been postponing, the things we've been procrastinating, those people we've been thinking about witnessing to, those things and people we've been thinking about praying for, those people that we've been thinking about telling others about Christ. Hey, we're, we're in such a state, we've got to understand, Jesus is coming. And nobody's promised tomorrow. Oh, but she she had cancer. Listen, several dying car accidents. Several several uh, go don't have no reason. Nobody's promised tomorrow. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. I mean, it's right around the corner. Israel, Israel is in, in is in right now, shooting rockets right now. I mean, it's. Do you realize? Look at look around. We're about to leave this world. We see a late hour. Not only do we see a late hour, we see lethargic helpers. Paul is saying it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. He's not. He's not speaking. He's not speaking to lost people. Dead people can't wake up. Listen, dead people need life. Dead people need a resurrection. But saved people can go to sleep on you. And I believe we are in the place we are in our country because the American church has gone to sleep. Let me read, let me read what sleep. What is sleep? It is the state of inactivity with loss of consciousness. Now watch this. And a decrease in responsiveness to the events around you. Now, if that doesn't describe the American church, y'all with me? Wake up. What's it going to take to get us to wake up? What's it going to take for us to get concerned about lost people again? What's it going to take to get us to see that America is so fast going to hell while we just continue in our day and continue in our business and continue in our routine and as long as it doesn't come to my house, honey, it's fixing to come to our house. And Paul is seeing this condition. He is seeing uh, this, these these. these uh, symptoms in in the society he was living in and man I tell you that's where we're at today and then he goes on to say this 
he goes on to say this. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us, therefore, in other words, because of the day, because of the atmosphere we're living in, because of how other people are doing. And by the way, just because other churches are doing don't mean we have to. You say, preacher, we're living, we're living in a Laodicean church age. It just is what it is. And most pastors have given in to the fact that it is a lukewarm era. It is a lukewarm time. And it's just people are, are going to be lukewarm. They're not going to be in. They're not going to be out. They're not going to be on fire for anything. They're not going to be out of church, but they're not going to be really in and committed. And, and they've just kind of resigned to the fact that, that we're in the Laodicean church age and it just is what it is. And we just got to hunker down and hold on through it. That, uh, 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 uh. Here, here's what I read in my Bible. At the end of that chapter, at the end of talking about the Laodicean church, the Bible says, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and come and open this door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And I believe God is teaching us very clearly. It doesn't matter what the masses are doing. It doesn't matter what y'all are doing. I, as an individual, can come and I can have revival in my heart and in fellowship with Jesus Christ and I don't care what all the other churches are doing we as an individual church can be on fire for God we can have the presence of God and the power of God and we'll open the door and let him in Listen, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter how everybody else is. We can have revival right here. And I'm telling you, there's got to be some place and somewhere that will stand up and shine the light because it's getting dark out there. High time. High time. That means now. Let's get it done now. He says, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. We don't even. We not only see a condition that's explained. I want you to see a conduct that's expected. A conduct that's expected. Paul gave several admonitions in the light of the Lord's soon return. The first is wake up. The second is clean up. We do not want to be found dressed in dirty garments when the Lord returns. The Christian wears the armor of light, not the deeds of darkness. He has no reason to get involved in the sinful pleasures of the world. And finally, Paul admonished, admonished to grow up. So we have wake up, underline that, underline wake up. Then we have clean up, underline that. God knows we need to do this. What do we need to do? Say it again. Say it again. All right, turn to Ephesians uh, Ephesians 4. We have four minutes to turn to Ephesians 4. Watch this. God gave us apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. Five different areas of gifting in the local church for our benefit. Uh, for the edification of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, so we could grow, develop, and be what God wants us to be. Now watch this. Verse 13, till all of these areas of, of ministry, all of these areas of giftings are to be operating in the church and, 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 and growing and going till something takes place. What is that? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, that word perfect means complete, 
unto a perfect or complete man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. In other words, all these giftings are here to help us become conformed and be Jesus Christ. That we henceforth be no more what? No more what? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind. How you know if you're a babe in Christ, you believe anything anybody tells you? No matter how dumb it is. A child just believes whatever you tell them. If you tell them to eat a roach, it's chocolate. They're going to eat that roach. Right? If you tell a child, you're Superman. Hey, you're Superman. You don't even need an S on your chest. You're Superman to that child. Well, we can't be that way as a Christian. We have to grow and mature and develop discernment to be able to tell what's right and to be able to tell what's wrong because any channel you turn on TV, there's going to be a goober on there trying to get you to follow him and his false teaching. Amen? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. This man says this, and this, 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 this convention said this, and this, this college over here, you know, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now here's where I was getting at. But speaking the truth in love, what, is, what, what does God want us to do? We may, we may, into what? Him. What do you want to be when you grow up? A fireman. What do you want to be when you grow up? Astronaut. What do you want to be when you grow up? Whatever. One of my, my, uh, my, my football coach when we was in uh, Pop Warner football, uh, he said a uh, little fella kept telling him he wanted to be a garbage man. That's what he wanted to be. Every, every time I asked, I want to be a garbage man. And guess what he was when he grew up? And he became the, the, the head of the sanitation department. I'm talking about over the whole shebang. He had plans and he had desires. And he, hey, and work, I don't care what work it is. If it's work, it's honorable. Period, I don't care. You work hard, it's honorable. I don't care what you do. Amen? Now here's the point. We have that to be, I want to grow up to be such and such. I want to grow up to be whatever. God says, I want you to grow up to be him. I want you to grow up to be Jesus. Watch this. But may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even what? Christ. As we develop, as we mature, as we become what God wants us to be, God wants us to grow up into him. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Uh, let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, but in, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the what? The Lord Jesus Christ. Wake up, clean up, grow up. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ means to become more like him. To receive by faith all that he, he is for our daily living. See, I want you to see a carefulness that's encouraged. There's a condition that's explained, a conduct that's expected, and then a carefulness that's encouraged. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We grow on the basis of the food we eat. This is why God warns us not to make provisions for the flesh. If we feed the flesh, we fail. 
But if we feed the inner man the nourishing things of the spirit, we will what? Succeed. Be careful. Be careful. Do not provide the flesh opportunities to get stupid because it will. As you're putting that up, let me give you let me give you a a, a, a good thing. If you have problems with lust, you shouldn't be hanging out at the beach. If you have problems with alcohol, some people are tempted by alcohol. I care less. It, 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 it's not my issue. But some people have that issue. You shouldn't be hanging out at a bar. You're just providing yourself a way to fall. Amen. That's I mean it, it's it's really that simple. We need to be careful. We need to watch and, and, and be sober and be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. We have responsibility as citizens, not just as Christians, but as Christian citizens. You know what? I believe if more Christians went by this chapter, our whole government system would be totally different than it is right now. Don't blame it on lost people. The fault lies with Christians. And I think we need to get back to the Bible. Amen? Amen. Uh, Dustin, is there any announcement I need to I need to make or, or, or anything before we dismiss? All right, no services next week. Got Thanksgiving going on. And, uh, and listen, it, we would sure love for you to help us back up and support this potato sale. It's going to be a potato loaded with barbecue, uh, uh, barbecue pork, and, 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 and everything else that goes on that. And I think coleslaw, what else is on there? Coleslaw and uh, and chitlins and uh, no, no. All right, I guess that was off, off the menu. Uh, what Barbecue, coleslaw, and potato chips, right? I think it is. I, I believe that's what it is. If not, they, they can answer that question out at the table. And they've got, they've got tickets. You can buy tickets there or you can buy them at the door, uh, 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 buy them at the door after the service that you attend uh, this coming Sunday. Amen? And we can do everything we can to help uh, the Ugandan team reach people with the gospel and support what's going on. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to pray and be dismissed and ask God to help us. All right? Let's go out and be good citizens. Let's don't just study the word. Let's go do it. Amen? It doesn't do us any good just to hear it. we got to believe it, and we got to accomplish it and, and, and behave in what we believe. Amen? Father, thank you for helping us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for guiding us. Be with everyone as they go out them doors, not just to go accomplish their job, not just to go out and support their families, but help them go out and be a Christian citizen. And, Lord, we'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. We were made to be courageous.